So, uh, thanks for joining us again. This is John and Nick, and um, we're going to do our best to talk about our daughter, Leah K. Ann, tonight, who, um, as many of you know already, if you listen to episode one, um, passed away on the 5th of November. Um, we're sitting here trying to decide to press record again and, and wrap our kind of our head around the thoughts or thoughts around our head or however you want to word it. And um, the the last episode, we just kind of started talking. And um, there's parts of it that were easy, I guess. Like it's a hard subject, um, what we're trying to do. But, but what we had talked about last time, um, you know, like it's our story. It was our, it was our life. Um, it's stories that we've told lots of times and, and Nick and I have laid in bed many a night and just rehash things about the, just the complete fate of how we're together in the first place and how all the kids that came about and, and just kind of how our life became our life. Um, but as we sit here tonight, we want to try to kind of talk about the the week of Leah's life and in the in the short term right after she passed and, and then kind of lead into a little bit of maybe where we're at today. And um, it's probably going to be a little jumbled because I my, my thoughts are they're everywhere. Um, we joined a support group online that's just for people that have had um, miscarriages, stillbirths, and infant mortality. And they asked us tonight if we could kind of describe where we were at in one word or just a few words. And Nick and I didn't really say anything. We just kind of sat there blindly. And then I typed in upside down. And I really think that's kind of where we're at. Um, everything's upside down and it's inside out and right feels wrong and wrong feels right. It's just, everything's, everything's very broken. Um, there was a lot of, um, people on this, on this zoom call, there's, there's probably 20 people And and the fact that there's 20 people is comforting <laughs> and as sick as that sounds comforting. Um, but horrifying at the same time that there's that many people going through this. And there was some couples, there was some, some mothers and some fathers. And as, as it skips around, the camera kind of jumps between families. And um, the thing I noticed was so many of the women just appear, they're just broken. They don't, they don't know what to do, or where to go, if it's okay to breathe. Um, it was okay to wake up in the morning. And, and as I look at the dads, the dads look like I look in the mirror. They just look empty. Um, for me, I'm so used to being the guy that solves problems and fixes things and makes everything okay. And, and Nick and I, as a couple, we, we feel like we've been that for our friends and family for years, that we're the, 
we're, we're, yeah, we're the stable. We're the, we're the constant. And, um, you know, we're the people that has 22 people at their Thanksgiving dinner table. Um, we're the, the people that it's when you, when you're out of work in the winter, it's okay to ask if you can fly out and sleep on my couch and eat in my house and get paid so that you can try to take care of your family. Um, that's, that's who Nick and I have been. And that's definitely who I've been. What I try to be as a, as a boss, as a friend, as a human word, however you want. So I always try to be that, the constant. And I shouldn't say I try to be it. I, I think I just, I mean, maybe I have an overinflated opinion of myself, but I, I, I hope not. But I, I think that I, we just do it. We just do it. Yeah. It's not a decision. It's not a thought. It's the right thing to do. And we do it. We, we tell the kids all the time that everything in life is a choice. And, and every choice has a consequence and the, and the consequence of doing nothing or the, or the decision of doing nothing also has consequences. Everything has consequences. And one of the things that some people have brought up is they wanted to know if we would talk about how we came to the, to the decision on Halloween to remove support. And and Nick and I will be very bluntly honest with this. It wasn't a decision. Um, there, there was no choice. It was the absolute positive only thing that could be done. If there had been... After we had been assured by the doctors, the neurologists, and the neonatologists, that they were sure of this diagnosis. There yeah. was no hope for recovery. There wasn't, I remember saying that night, there's no way forward. And that was how we felt. And I know what I know, that that meant a life of pain and suffering. It meant surgeries and infections and more trauma for her. So it wasn't a decision to let her go. It was the only option if we truly loved her. That as hard as it is for us, we would carry her pain. We would suffer for her to not let her suffer or be in pain. We, we made the decision to not, to not make her stay. We, we didn't make her stay for us. We didn't make her stay for the kids. Um, it's, um, if there had been, I mean, the minutest of possibility that anything would have, again, we talked about that it wasn't even that it would have got better, but that it wouldn't have got worse. Um, we would have absolutely done everything. But when you're presented with the facts, and it was hard to process, but I still it's still yeah. Um and, and you wonder how you how you got here. Um, but it wasn't again, it wasn't really it wasn't really a decision and it wasn't really a choice. It was it was the only option was not 
to force Leah to stay for us. Um, and as much as it hurts, we, we had to do it. Um, and, and I think if we hadn't been through the other griefs and losses and near losses that we had already been through, maybe we would have maybe not made the decision as quickly, but, but knowing what we know and being the people that we are and, and loving her as, <sighs> as loving her as much as I will always love her. It wasn't, <clears throat> it wasn't a choice. Um, <clears throat> and believing like we do that death isn't an end. It's just an end to pain and suffering. And I know where she is. I know she's safe. I know she's whole and intact. I know she's okay. I've told John before that maybe I was born in the wrong time and definitely in the wrong geographic area, but there's a southern tradition that you cry at a birth and you dance at a funeral. And I believe in that. You dance at a funeral, you're happy for them that they get to go home. It's the end of pain and suffering and only the beginning of beautiful things for them. And I wanted that for her, like I want that for all of our kids. I don't want her to hurt, I don't want her to suffer, and I can't bring her back, but if I could, I wouldn't bring her back to that. If I could bring her back whole and intact, oh my God, tell me the cost and I would pay it. But I wouldn't bring her back for that, not for me. Not for John or the kids, not for any of us. She doesn't deserve that. Any of us would. <clears throat> we would have traded our life in a in less than a heartbeat. Um, but that's not the decision we were, or not the um, not the hand we were dealt. Um, it was an option that we were given. So. So to answer anybody's question, that's really, that's really where it is. Like I, I said last time, we didn't, we didn't really dwell on it that long. We processed the information as best as possible, as, as quickly as we could. We asked some questions about if there was a path forward. And when we were just, like I said, when we were informed that there just, there just wasn't a path forward other than where we were at and, and, and then less and worse, um, the decision was made rather quickly. And then, um, and then I like to talk about numbers a little bit, but when we, um, when we decided to, to take Leah off the vent, um, Leah blessed us with 6,646 minutes of life. Um, 6,646 minutes of hugs and kisses and, um, and, and memories and, and things that you just can't possibly replace. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are in this group 
that we're talking to tonight that they never met their babies. They, they lost their babies at 23 weeks or 30 weeks. And, and one of them lost their baby during birth. And, and one of the couples got to hold their baby for 11 minutes. And Leah was alive for 10,099 minutes. You got 10,000 minutes. And, it, and it, 10,000 minutes doesn't seem like a lot. And, it, and it's not. It, but it, yeah, it could have been 10,000 years and it would have, it would have never been enough. If, if you look at minutes instead of days or days instead of minutes, 10,099 minutes is roughly 35 years. 35 years wouldn't be enough. There's nothing would have been enough. The only the only thing that would have ever been enough is if I had died first. And that's it. There's there's no amount of minutes. But well, like I said, we got. She gave us time. She gave us time, and when we, and when we got home, when we when we were when we walked out of the doors of the hospital, out into the sunshine. And it was a it was a beautiful fall day for Arizona. It was it was low eighties. The sun was out. There was a slight breeze, and we walked outside with her in our arms, and we took her home. And from the minute we walked out of that hospital until the minute we passed, we had four thousand four hundred and fifty two minutes of freedom with our baby, and we used every one of them damn minutes. We hardly slept. We hardly ate. We didn't take phone calls. We, a couple text messages here or there, but we we used every minute of it, every second of it. We didn't waste it. She was never put down. She was never not in somebody's arms. She was constantly told how much she was loved. She was told that she was our dream come true. She still is. We told her that as much as it was going to hurt, and we would miss her, like, unbelievably, that it was okay for her to go home. She didn't have us, but she did. Even on her last day, she waited until all of her brothers and her sister were here, and we were all together. Before she left, she wanted to make sure we were all together to see her off. I think she needed to see us together. We were gonna be some kind of okay. We, um, we, we, we knew that morning. I, I think we knew that morning that that was gonna be our day. We, we knew um, she had just kind of, yeah, in a, in a weird, uncomfortable calm had kind of settled over. And um, she kind of she started to breathe a little slower, and her and her heart was beating a little less, and her hand and her hands relaxed. And um, <laughs> but I told you last time, you know, she was born rigid with her hands. I'm hypertonic. She's all of her muscles were very tense and her, in that narrow position. And her fists, her fence were clenched, and and her hands were turned in, and in that morning, we were able to hold her hand, and um, 
and, and you could manipulate a little bit and, and she would kind of tighten her fingers around and and um or we or I certainly imagine that she did anyways. And um and I always played with the kids' feet and I, I got to play with her feet and I got to play with her toes. And um like I said, we knew that morning that it was coming, but I wouldn't give that morning up because those are just memories that you can't you can't get back. You can't remake them. You ha- you have to you have to do them. And um but we were we Lisa we knew it was coming that morning, I think. And um um you know, two and two and three it stayed the night. And uh for at the time nineteen and twenty one year old boys to come and sleep on mom and dad's couch is not exactly a typical thing, but they'd stayed the night and they had just ran home in the morning to get a shower and change clothes quick. And um and and they came back in the door and and all the all the kids have had it definitely had a special bond with Leah. They all had her own they all had their own bond. Um number one had a very, very lovingly motherly big sister bond that you just you could see it was growing and it was growing every day. And um and number two is the protector. He he, he always has been. He's the he's the hammer when it's needed. Um but God, he was so soft with her um, and so quiet and so stoic, um, just amazing. And, um, and number three was, God, there's, there's pictures of those two where it's they're like staring into each other's soul. And, um, and number four, number four has never got to be a big brother. I mean, not, he, he was to, to the foster kids and he was a great big brother to him. Um, we never got to be a big brother to his from, from the start. And, um, he was still working a lot. He, um, he couldn't sit. So he was, he was working a lot. He, him three and four work at the same place and four was taking three shifts and his own. But every time he would come in the door, he would, he would pull a grandpa and was like come in and wash his hands and just come steal her and go over to the chair and sit down and start talking to her. And I don't, I don't have a clue what he was saying to her. And it's the end of the day, it's not my business. Um, it was their stories. And, um, but everybody had got there that morning and, and two and three had just got there. And, um, Three come and sat down on the couch next to his mom, and um, and number one was on the other side, and they just kind of leaned up against her, and, and then and then me and uh, two and four were on a we have a big ottoman, we were right across from them, and we were in a non socially distant bubble of less than six feet, <laughs> and we just sat there, and it was just a I mean it was it was a matter of minutes. Um, I true. She she waited. Mm-hmm. She waited. I, we Nick and I truly believe that she waited. She did. Just before she passed, but I had this feeling people dismiss it and tell you that you're crazy or making it up. But I had this feeling of warmth around 
the back of my neck and on my shoulders, like, as if an arm were put around me to keep me close. And it just felt peaceful. I knew she was going. And I knew it would be okay that I could let her go. She didn't struggle. She just stopped. She was in my arms. And as hard as that is to think about, I'm so grateful she wasn't laying in a isolate somewhere or somewhere cold and institutional. She was surrounded with love for every second of her life until that moment in me. I, I truly believe that Grandpa just walked in the door and he just washed his hands and he came and he leaned on his daughter's shoulders and told her it was going to be okay. And then he took his granddaughter home to wait for us. And, um, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> to wait, to wait for us. Um, and I, and I don't know when that's going to be. And it's a, it's a daily struggle to, to not want to rush it. Um, and I say that cautiously. I don't want anybody to be thinking like suicide watch or anything like that. It, it's not, I don't mean rush it in that way. <laughs> but, but by, by rush it, I guess I mean, um, like somebody, wish the time away. yeah, I don't, I don't want to wish the time away because we have, we have four more. Um, and there's lots of life experiences and, and ups and downs and things that are going to happen. And, and there's going to be times they don't need us. And there's lots of times they don't need us. But I can tell you that my mother's been gone 18 years and there's still times I need my mom. I need my mom. And I'm, and I, and I'm so thankful that I have my mother-in-law and my aunts that I can call and that I can that I can talk to, and I can call my mother's best friend, and I can talk to her. And in the group tonight, they asked us what our truth was. Okay, tell me today what your truth is. And I wrote down to myself that my truth is that four has to be enough. One, two, three, and four have to be enough reason to stay. Um... Like I said, I'm not I'm not a suicide watch or anything like that, but I, I'd be lying if I said when I'm driving down the road and I and I think to myself, if my tire blew out and I rolled my truck right now, if I didn't survive it, that'd be okay. <laughs> and that's um that's a pretty ugly thought, to be honest. And it's and it's in one, two, three, and four, I know you guys are going to listen to this because you listen to the other one, but one, two, three, and four, you guys are enough, and, and we will stay. Your mother and I will stay, and we and we love you. Damn, we love you dearly, um, and you're all amazing, and you're all so strong, and we, and we know 
we know how much your sister meant to you. And we know how much she still is going to affect you. And, and um, I think three said it best that everything I do from now on will be for you. When I look at my life and I try to make decisions, I'm going to ask myself if my little sister would be okay with it. And if that isn't a good enough check and balance for life, then I sure as fuck don't know what is. And that and that's how I'm trying to do mine. I have to I, I look at my decisions are are my kids proud of me? Or I don't care if I embarrass them. That's that's dad's that's one of dad's duties. But are they proud of me? Do I do I bring them comfort and joy and confidence? And and I think I do. And I want to continue to be that. And I know their mother does. Um, I said last time, I said their, their mother's fierce. And she's she's struggling right now. Um, I'm struggling. A lot of you out there listening are struggling. But, but it's okay to struggle because my aunt told me this yesterday that the fact that we're struggling and the fact that it hurts that much, it's because I kept saying because because it matters. And my, my aunt reminded me that it's not because it matters. It's because Leah matters. She mattered. We've fought for her. We fought for her for 13 years. And then we fought for her for nine months when she was pregnant. And we fought for her for 10,099 minutes when she was brought to this earth. We fought for her. And, and Leah matters. And she's always going to matter. I um, sorry there, but we want you all to know that 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 you guys matter too, and and even though we haven't been able to reach out and and, and speak to many of you. It's not because we don't want to, it's, we just can't, we can't take the, the, the pain. We can't take your pain. We, I, I can feel your pain in a text and in an email. I can't, I can't, I can't hear your pain. Um, but I was, um, I'm not a big poetic guy by any means. I think most of you know that, but I, I do, I do like music and, um, I was listening to an album the other day and it's, it's a new album by Chris Stapleton and it's a song that's about old friends. And, um, I just want to read a couple bars of it and it, and it really kind of hit home and it says, it says old friends, they shine like diamonds, old friends. You can always call old friends, Lord, you can't buy them. You know, it's old friends after all. And when you're feeling fragile, and you really can't get home, and you really feel abandoned, but you want to be alone. It's like you're making conversation, and you're trying not to scream, and you're trying not to tell them you don't care what they mean. And when the house is empty, and the lights begin to fade, and there's nothing to protect you except the window shade, 
it's hard to put your finger on the thing that scares you most and you can't tell the difference between an angel and a ghost. And uh and we really do we really do love you all and, and um we'll find you all again someday. I have to know you aren't gonna recognize us anymore. We aren't who you knew. And I can't try to be. I don't know when I can be around anybody again. And I don't know what that's gonna look like. I don't know how that's gonna feel. But I know it'll be different. You know, when I'm, I'm on. I said you kind of you kind of look for signs, and um, you know since since Leah passed, we've been Nick and I have seen more hummingbirds and bees and rainbows in the past nine weeks. Stars and stars, stars and stars in the in the in the in the Christmas star this year, the star of Bethlehem, um, and. and and just um just just things like we 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 feel her looking at us and um and there was another thing I read the other day was about it's stupid, it's a fortune cookie, but it was actually a really good one. The fortune cookie says, Out of confusion comes new patterns. And um I think at this point we're looking for patterns and for confirmation and reaching for anything um but not but not blindly we're we're reaching with with purpose in mind that we want to remember we were on the porch and we saw a hummingbird when we were holding her so when you see a hummingbird you're immediately back to holding her and driving down the road we saw a rainbow when we were on the way home from the hospital and the other day we're out driving and we see a rainbow and it's, it's, we're driving down the road and we're, and we're holding her. And it's. And driving in Florida and there was a shooting star twice. She, he called her our little star from the time we found out when we were pregnant with her. Um, she's got a, she's got a thing in her room that says twinkle twinkle little star do you know how loved you are and um i feel very comfortable saying that she definitely knows how loved she was and and not and was is the wrong word is is loved it is loved um but i i want to you know like so we've got we've got some things in the mail from people and we really appreciate everything from her uh, from her godparents, we got a uh, a really nice um, poem that kind of hits home, and it's and we have it, and it's displayed. And um, from her auntie, um, we got a really nice blanket with her um, with her face on it, and uh, and a short little poem. And um, it's in her room. 
Um, I'll be honest, I haven't been in her room since um, November 20th. And I don't know the next time the door will be open, but when it is, and we can go in there again, I know the first thing I'm going to see is her little face looking back at me. And um, it's very comforting. And I, and I, we really do. And we had tables and flowers and cookies and cards and texts. We had people just tell us that they'll pray for us. It's all appreciated. Just because you're not hearing from us doesn't mean that we don't appreciate everything. Because we do. And I hope someday I can tell you that. We, we will see everyone again. I, I, we don't know when it'll be. And, and like Nick said earlier, we're, we're going to be different. But that's also a truth is you're, you're going to be different. If you if, if we came out of this the exact same as we went into it, then that's that's a false life. It's, it's a lie. It, it, it means things didn't matter. It, it would mean Leah didn't matter. It would mean none of this mattered. And, and I, I'm I'm happy that I'm fucked up. Um, <laughs> I, I'm. I'm happy that I'm that I'm upside down and inside out. Um, it's a monument to our love for her. It's my truth. Um, that uh, that that Leah matters, and, and she always will. Um, but um, but yeah. So just kind of want to talk real briefly here about what, what happened immediately after and, um, some of the decisions that needed to be made. So this doesn't sound right, but one of the things they tell you when someone passes at home is that you don't, you don't want to keep them at home very long, but, but you don't want to rush either. Um, because natural things start to happen and I'm going to leave it at that. But so that night, we, we made the decision that we, we didn't want to let her go, but we knew we had to. And um, in the business we're in, we, we get to meet some customers and we get to know them. Um, there's lots of customers that we just talk to really briefly and fix a problem and that's it. But there's also a lot of them that have multiple projects and multiple problems and we get to know them over time. And um, one of them happens to be a um, local mortuary here in town and the head landscaper who was my main contact also happens to be the I don't know the correct term he runs the crematory um, but when we made the decision that we were going to have Leah's, Leah cremated um, and this is going to be a little brutal here but I dig in this fucking dirt every day and we knew we were not going to bury her in this dirt. Um, we also hope to be able to leave here someday. It, would never, never Arizona for us was a means to an end. Arizona is an opportunity to make money and have a life and send the kids to college and own a business. But we sacrificed everything else for it. We left our family. 
We left family members that were sick at the time. We left all of our family and friends. We left everyone. Arizona's a mean to the end. And I wasn't burying her in this fucking dirt and leaving her here. So we'd made the decision that she was going to be cremated. And this customer that happens, again, to, to be the person that runs the crematory, we, he is a Bosnian refugee that survived the attack on Sarajevo and helped get his three younger brothers and his mother out safely. The man is a, he's amazing. Um, so when we knew that we were going to have Leah cremated, it was, um, I don't want to say it was a comforting thought exactly because nothing's comforting about it, but we knew that she wasn't going to be with strangers. He had never met her. We knew he'd take care of her. He would treat her like his daughter. And um, so we, we made the arrangements to have Leah's body taken to the mortuary. And um, we went in the next day to meet with them. And when we tried to make arrangements, we found out that this person happened to be on vacation. And um, they weren't sure they were going to be able to get a hold of him because he wasn't due back until the following week. And we didn't. We didn't want to wait that long. We wanted Leah back in our possession as soon as possible. Um, but then we find out that um, not only had they reached him, but he had canceled, <laughs> had canceled his vacation and was heading home because he had our baby to take care of. So from the minute she left our arms until we had her back, she was with someone that was watching over her and treating her as, as his own. And, um, and then we, we, we got her, um, <laughs> she, she was out, she was gone for a week. We, we weren't, we didn't get her ashes back until the following Thursday. And, um, her, um, our grandfather's ashes were in Florida, and we didn't we didn't want to have Leah alone. So we had asked my mother in law and and my brother brother in law, but he he's my brother. You know my brother. Um, we asked my brother if it was okay if we kept Grandpa for now. So we um we got Leah's ashes back on Thursday and Friday morning. We took off and left for Florida and um, outside of a four hour nap in Lafayette, Louisiana, we drove it straight through because we can't give COVID to anybody we care about. And um, we got there the next night and um, we put Leah and grandpa together and they've been together ever since. Now, uh, next, to next to each other, next to each other. Um, but we know or believe that they've obviously that, that Leah's been with Grandpa um, since 1.03 p.m. on the 5th of November. But, but since about 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday the 13th, they've, they've been together in this mortal coil. And, um, and, they're, and, and, and they'll stay that way. Um, Until she can be with me.
yeah, in, until she can be with, with Nick and and with me. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't really, I don't really know where to go from here. I just, you know, this is a grief like you can't, you can't even begin to comprehend. Enumerated our tragedies in the last one, or most of them anyway. We know about grief and loss. We're pros. We're good at it. We have a lot of practice, but this is not like anything that anybody has ever been through, unless you've been through exactly this. We'd say a lot of the time that you feel like you're drowning. The weight of it is so heavy that the only way to describe it is unbearable. But at the same time, I don't want the pain to go away. I don't want to be better. Just learn how to be better at hearing it. And that's what we're going to learn. Yeah, one of the things they talk about is that there's not, um, you know, there's no tricks. There's no, um, there's no, there's no shortcuts. There's no, there's no around it. There's, there's only through it. And with through it, there's only time. And um, there's people in this, we're, we have another group that we talk with that are just people that have lost children, period. Um, not infants, just, just children. And, um, there's people in this group that have lost their children 29 years ago. <laughs> and, um, I told them last week, like I'm 43 and by all accounts, relatively healthy, probably be another 43 years. And that's something that's pretty, pretty hard to wrap your head around sometimes that it's that it's going to be that long. But I, I think about my, my grandparents when my, my grandma lost her mother when she was four and, and my grandmother, you know, she lived until she was, she was 89 years old. She waited 85 years to see her mother again, but she only waited four to see my grandpa. And I, and I wonder sometimes what was longer. Was it the 85 or was it the four? And, um, and I wonder that because like I said, my mom's been gone. My mom's been gone 18 years and Leah's been gone nine weeks today. And I can tell you those nine weeks feel a hell of a lot longer than 18 years. And I, I can't even begin to rationalize what 43 years is going to feel like. Um, I just can't, I, 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 it'd be crippling to try to function in life. Um, but, um, just, uh, you know, one of the things that, that, I guess, like you said, we've talked about has kind of brought us comfort is that we know that Leah's not alone. 
Um, she has people. She has people. Just unfortunately, she has too many. Um, since 2002, we've lost 13 people that we really care about. And those, um, those 13 people we know are, are, are watching over. She's got, she's got, she's got a grandpa and a, and a grandma up there. She's got great grandparents, um, on, on both sides of the family, great grandpas and great grandmas. She's got a couple aunts and uncles, a great uncle. Um, and she's got, a. I don't want to say his name, but she's got a guy that we call Big Rock. Uh, one of my, I had a student um, that I got the privilege, and I used the word privilege to tutelage in 2008, that unfortunately passed away in a mining accident in 2010 at the age of 23. But Big Rock's up there, and um, I know they're chucking rocks, and um, she's got... She's got a whole horde of people up there watching out for her, taking care of her. And loving her. And um, you know, one of the things that we do around Christmas time, we, we've done it since Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve of 02, is we um there's a there's a place out here in Arizona called the the Santa Vera Mission, the Santa Vera del Block Mission. And um, it's been here since the sixteen hundreds. Um and uh, they we're, we're not Catholic. We're not really, honestly, re exactly religious. We're spiritual, but I, I don't. We don't fall under any exact uh, Christ <laughs> Christian dialect. We're we're definitely, anyways. You get it. Um, but this place, if you don't feel close to God inside of the mission, then you're never going to feel close to God. It, it just, the place just oozes peace and spirituality and, and Lisa, or Lisa, I'm so sorry. I, my brain is gone. Leah's, Leah's godfather. Um, he can be a talkative fellow from time to time, but, um, he can also be pretty quiet. It was everything he could do to, to not hit his knees when he walked in that place. Cause he just felt immediate connection to all of his ancestors. Um, but, but anyways, Nick and I had visited the mission and, in 95 when we just came out here on vacation and we bought a candle and didn't, didn't really think anything of it. We bought the candle and we took it home. And then the year my mom died, we were unpacking some Christmas stuff and we came across that, that box that had that candle in it. So, so we decided to light it that year. And, and then that year up until, um, 2008 when we moved out here we just lit that one candle and um and then after we got out here we we kind of decided maybe we'd light a candle for everybody and at the time the only other person that had passed was my grandfather so we went and we bought another candle and we and we lit it and um then in 2009 we we added another one and 2010 we added six um 2010 was a Hell of a year. Yeah. Um, we lost, we lost three people that year way, way too early. Um, actually four that year we lost way too early. And, and then, 
Yeah. So, but where I'm going with that is now we have 14 candles. And um, we've decided that uh, we're going to light Leah's candle every day of this year at least. And um, so if anybody needs any candles made, just let me know because I'll be an expert candle maker. I've, I've had to make it twice already. <laughs> um, but I'm going to keep remaking that candle and we're going to keep lighting it every night. And um, some nights I blow it out and, um, and it's hard. And, and some nights Nick blows it out and it's, and it's hard. And, um, like last night we, um, went to bed early before four got home from work and we just sent him a text and said, Hey, will you, um, blow Leah's candle out tonight? And, um, he usually comes in the door and he goes pretty much right upstairs. He, um, our, our kids are all, um, they all are creatures of habit. But he, he come in and, and I heard him downstairs and he was down there for quite a while. And I asked him this morning if he blew her candle out and he told me, yeah, but I, I talked to her first. <laughs> and that's, um, it's one of them times where, you know, you sure didn't do everything wrong. Um, you did a lot of things right. And, um, Liam matters. Not mattered. Matters. Unless Nick's got something else to add tonight, I'm going to sign off. And um, we really appreciate everyone listening, and, and, and we love you all. And when some version of us is able to see you, you'll all be the first to know.